0: Welcome to another enlightening episode of Meltdown to Mastery, the podcast where we explore profound journeys of self discovery and empowerment. I'm your host, Jane Marquis, a naturopathic doctor, and today we have a special guest who is all about the concept of self mastery. Joining us is Amanda Kate. A self mastery facilitator who challenges the current paradigms of what it truly means to be a master of self. Amanda's path has not been without its challenges. From being a recovering people pleaser, she emerged from chronic narcissistic abuse, battled chronic fatigue caused by emotional trauma, and navigated toxic relationship cycles. She now walks the delicate path between the divine and messy aspects of life. Her embodiment of radical self-love and acceptance forms the foundation for reaching the highest frequencies available. Amanda recognizes the importance of grounding deeply to Mother Earth as she guides others to anchor deeply into peace, freedom, and self-mastery. Amanda is also the author of Divine Messy Human, a spiritual guide to prioritizing internal truth over external influence. Get ready to be inspired by Amanda's insights and her unapologetic embrace of both the divine and the messy sides of human existence. Let's dive into a conversation that will challenge our perspectives and open doors to new dimensions of self-mastery. Welcome to Meltdown to Mastery, Empowering women to overcome midlife crisis by rewiring the subconscious mind. Feeling overwhelmed, disillusioned, stuck? We all have. Here we explore inspiration and empowerment to navigate through the tough times and move to a place where hearts soar, minds manifest, and bodies
1: heal. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me, Jane. It's so exciting to be here.
0: Excited to have you. So Amanda, you've moved through some dark trenches, survived <laughs> chronic narcissistic abuse, chronic fatigue brought on by consistent emotional and mental psychological abuse in order to shine as a self-mastery facilitator. So beautiful. We go through some dark times, don't we? And uh-huh. I, I thought, I kind of thought that this would qualify as a meltdown when when you said you were left on the floor screaming for God to take you home <laughs>
1: yeah oh man oh uh, yeah there were a few of those actually in the last two years it's it's quite um interesting you know when you say those early parts of my story um I thought I'd navigated the hardest of the trenches and you know i i Gotten myself out of a marriage that basically lost me my family. Um, my sister decided to choose to stay with her, the brother that I got her, rather than, you know, supporting me. So I'm now estranged from my sister. My parents have been, you know, they're, they're still loving, don't get me wrong. But because I went against, you know, the whole don't rock the boat, don't upset the status quo, you know, our relationship is surface level at best, that's how I can maintain it well. So not just, you know, losing my marriage, but also losing the closeness that I had with my sister, feeling like I didn't have the support of my parents. Even my mum said, it's like you got to your 30s and the wheels fell off. I'm like, no, I've took the wheels off because I was in an abusive marriage and I rebuilt my life so that I could show my children something better out there. So I'd been through all of that stuff and, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg of of the abuse that that was there. And then I, I found kinesiology and it was my doorway through into natural healing, alternative therapies, quantum healing, vibrational medicine, all of this mind-blowing world that just opened so many doors for me in terms of possibility, in terms of wonder and finding abundance and magic in the day-to-day. And I was amazed by the life that started opening up. And that, you know, kinesiology led to archetypal life coaching and a whole heap of other, you know, I guess modalities that I explored. That I, I mean, I'm. I I consider myself a bit of a, uh, (laughs) a, you know, a, a what do you call it? An alternative therapies. I'm trying to find a nicer word than whore. But basically, you know, I would go and try everything. I went and paid for all different modalities, all different healers, because I was so interested and curious. And a couple of years ago, I redid my values. And it came down really to one. I know people say pick your top three, but everything for me fell under that umbrella of self-mastery. The more I learned about myself, the more loving and compassionate I became, the more empathic I became, the more intuitive I became, the more integrous I became. Like everything sort of fit under that umbrella of self-mastery. Everything that I had been doing was to learn more about myself and human behavior, so that I could build more empathy and compassion for everyone. So, you know, I completely understand why my sister's made the decision she does. Doesn't mean I won't have her. I will have her in my life because there are some boundaries that are that are hard and fast for me. I thought making that my value, I was like, yeah, I've nailed this. Now this is amazing. And then I also made my number one goal that I will be in divine service to collective conscience. So if my goals don't fit under that one goal, it's actually not my goal. It's not me living to my purpose. And I kind of sat back pretty proud of myself thinking, oh, I've nailed this. But when you put your hand up to the universe to learn a lesson, as we all know, the lessons come. And for me to truly embody being able to step out only in the last couple of months and say, I am a self-mastery facilitator has meant that my self-mastery lessons got deeper, they got harder, they got more heart-wrenching. And that first one literally came about a month or two after I made self-mastery my number one value. And I did not put two and two together until literally about two months ago. It was quite shocking. And I was literally on my knees on my bedroom floor screaming for God to take me home because I thought if I cannot keep my family safe, there is no point me being here. And it was, it floored me. And it, it felt like that, I felt like I was being ripped apart from the inside out. But what that moment gave me was this pure surrender to God's will. God, universal conscious, give it whatever name you want. Um, And that was really that moment that I guess started this journey that I've been on the last two years where I felt like my business was falling apart. You know, two of the people nearest and dearest to me had attempts on their life and I just had to hold space for them as they navigated that. That time I had my partner you know you know he had to go on an emergency trip because his mum had been very very sick she'd actually died a couple of times luckily she's okay now I need to put that in there but you know that was a really harrowing time and then when he was there he rode off his dad's car and nearly killed himself in the process and I was sitting home here waiting for updates not knowing if he was alive or if he wasn't if he was okay and even that feels like the tip of the iceberg of what I've been navigating this last couple of years and then put into that the normal everyday stuff of, of servicing the clients that I had, of, you know, being a mother, of being a business owner, of being a partner, of being a friend, of being and feeling like I had all these balls in the air and I was dropping all of them. And, in the, and for the first six months of this year, I was literally in a state of do I just throw this all away? Do I just go and get a job? Do I just go and do something easier? Do I just take some pressure off my life? Because it felt like the floodgates had just opened and I was hit by wave after wave after wave after wave. <laughs> and I'm like, and seriously, with all the training I've done, with all the tools I've got, I was just going, I cannot believe this is the stuff that's flooring me like this. It felt like surviving a 14-year abusive relationship was the worst thing I was going to have to navigate. But some of those other things just tore me open in different ways. But in all of those moments, I have surprised myself at how I have actually managed it, how I have navigated, how even in the tumultuousness, there has been this calm sense of surrender since that really first... And I'm not saying that was the only time I've been on my knees. I've been on my knees probably three or four times in the last two years. But that first moment, there has been none like it, the devastation, the grief, the tearing open. I literally felt like I was being torn open from the inside out. And yet coming through it now, I mother my children differently. Actually, I don't mother them. I am mum. I've let go of that mother the verb where I am mothering because they don't need that from me at the moment. I have been able to step into being mum. I have been able to step into a different role as partner without rescuing. I've been able to find these the strength within myself that I truly never quite realised that I had. When I left my marriage, it wasn't a choice. It was the only thing I could do. People said, Oh, you're so brave walking out. No, it was literally the only thing I could do. There was no choice involved. Whereas these last couple of years, in this next layer of unpeeling, there has been choice. And even when I haven't felt like the choices have been fabulous, I have still been in choice. I've still been able to choose a way forward and I've still been able to show up in a way that has often surprised me, even though my heart might feel like it's breaking. I might be on my knees literally surrendering to God, crying grief-stricken tears, all of those things, there has still been a calmness under the surface that I can only put my finger on to being this deep sense of faith that I've cultivated over the last number of years. And I'm not talking about necessarily faith in a religious God. I am talking about faith in that divine universal intelligence. And so it's been a lot, but also coming out the other side, there is just this clarity and this understanding of my purpose and what I'm here to do.
0: You have to close the door and ask for something more before it comes. But then you had a lot come.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I seem to do that and I was talking to my mentor about it as I was climbing out because she said the worst thing for her, she's like a mother to me. There's no disrespect to the love my mother gives me, but it's just a very different love. It's, It's just different. I can't explain it. But the way that this woman held me through all of it she said all I wanted to do was be able to fix it and I knew I couldn't I knew you had to navigate it and my job was to hold space for you and to help you know shine some different perspectives where needed on you know on the languaging or whatever it was and she said it was so hard to watch because she's she's like I don't have the answers and we know what it's like we want the answers when we see people around us in pain The number of times I have wanted the answers, but I've had to disconnect because it's not my journey. My job is to stand and hold space. And that's a really tough lesson to learn when we want to fix and when we've traditionally been rescuers and when we've traditionally wanted to jump in with all the answers. Holding space is a divine place to be and also one of the hardest and we're talking about this in an archetypal sense, in a metaphorical sense, Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus carried his own cross of destruction, and we all carry our cross of destruction. We carry the signature for what is going to ultimately destroy us and allow us to be reborn on our own shoulders. Somebody else may hang us there, and we often need help getting down from it, whether that be a divine intervention of some sort, a mentor coming into our life, somebody just randomly saying something that creates huge shift, whatever it is, and then we kind of need to wrap ourselves up and go in for a bit. But when people talk about that story, they don't talk about the fact that Mary Magdalene stood at the foot of the cross and watched her lover die, and Mother Mary stood at the foot of the cross and watched her son die, and they held space for him. While people were throwing rocks at him, while people were abusing him, they stood and they waited with him while he was in his darkest night and what people talk about all the time is the hero's journey the call to adventure the hero's journey you know what the heroine's journey is such a different journey and people do not talk about it the hero's journey is that outward adventure that we go on to change our lives. And yeah, you go through your road of trials. Yes, you go and slay dragons, but it is mostly external stuff. Yes, we do grow, we change, we build knowledge, we build wisdom. But the female journey, the heroine's journey that we all go on, by the way, regardless of gender, because this is an archetypal journey, not a gender-based journey, that heroine's journey starts with our betrayal it starts with our rejection either of self or by others it starts with a massive loss in our life whether that be a partnership or the the death of somebody close to us it starts with a big trauma like that Mm -hmm. and then we start to go inwards and we realize that the ogres and the demons we are slaying are our own Mm -hmm. That we have denied our divine feminine aspect in favour of living in the masculine world and we need to reclaim the dark depths of our soul to be fully reborn anew to be able to marry our divine masculine and feminine together so that we can bring it out into the world and make real lasting change. You find in the heroine's journey, you reconnect to nature, you reconnect to those deep, dark parts of yourself. And in navigating that, we find this new existence of all of that feminine darkness, the the grief and the rage and the wrath and the creativity that comes from it, the happiness with solitude As well as being with people, the ability to hold space for others rather than diving in and fixing them. We reconnect to all of that stuff that really, really matters. It is internal stuff. We connect to the truth of our being. And that is the journey we need to speak about more.
0: Yes. And I love how you talk about holding space because really, if we try to fix someone else, we're only delaying the inevitable they have to go on this journey and we all you can do is hold space for yourself or an, for another and it's a, it's a scary place but rewarding place to go
1: it's interesting you know we when we say that when we are trying to fix other people we are fixing them to the idea of who we think they should be mm. not who they are And this is one of the big issues that, you know, I've had in my life. The rejection from my family is because I refused to be who they thought I should be any longer. I started stepping into who I was and that ruffled feathers because you're not supposed to be that person. You're supposed to be this person and we don't like that you've changed. Well, you know what? (laughs) Tough luck. I've changed. This is who I am and I'm okay with it. And actually, there's a lot of people who are okay with it because I'm starting to shine as the person I am. Mm -hmm. not the person everybody wants me to be. The holding space is an interesting one. A lot of people talk about it, but they don't talk about the devastation that is involved in holding space. Our desire as human beings is to give answers. It is to give advice. It is to, you know, let people Or let us feel like we have the answers because it feels more active. And again, we're taught that that masculine activity is the way to go. So if we have the answers, we're doing something. Isn't this amazing? That's what we're taught is the ideal pinnacle of where we need to be. And actually, once we start reconnecting with that feminine and we have the ability to hold space, even with small things now that my kids come to me with, they've come to me with some pretty big stuff in the last couple of years. But they've also come to me with little stuff. And at every point of the journey, my approach to them has been, tell me what you need. Tell me what support from me looks like. But I actually trust that you've got this. I trust that you have the answers within you. And I'm here for whatever you need, but I know you've got this. That's a much more powerful space for me to sit. It also hands the power to my children so they can explore and they can make their own mistakes. They know I'm there. They know I'm holding them. I am a fierce mama bear when it comes to that. And also, I trust them. They have empathy. They have compassion. They're incredible children. It's about me then giving them that ability to explore who they are in the world without me telling them who they are.
0: Yes, and so that they can unfold much quicker than many. Mm -hmm. I was I was reading a comment on how someone was almost grateful that their parents had passed because now they could be who they genuinely were and Mm -hmm. blossom into that because they were living by the expectations of their parents. And you know, at some point, I guess that's the choice. You either have really supportive parents that just allow you to blossom like you are, or you have to break free from it and become your own person Yeah, and face the fact that that you're not living their expectations or you wait. And then sometimes it's too late. There's not enough time because this all takes time to really find out who you really are meant to be and what you're doing here, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, again, with my blossoming and unfolding, it didn't feel like there was a choice. I had to get out of my marriage, and yet that was ultimately what fractured my relationship with my family. Mm. And I was just going, you are kidding me. You would prefer me to stay in an abusive relationship than to leave it and become my own person. Because in, that, in our idea of family, you do not break up the marital unit. It's highly, you know, there's a lot of religious guilt and shame in there. There's a lot of religious fear in there. There's a lot of, you know, I am just this, I guess, sinner of the worst order, breaking up a marriage, how dare I? And then going on to love my life. That's even worse. If I went on and suffered, it probably would have been better because at least then I was showing remorse in some way for having left. It became my job to look after me. And the sisters that I have in my life now are phenomenal creatures who want me to succeed, who see the light in me, who just see me. They, they've seen me with snotty tears running down my face. They have seen me heartbroken in deep grief, and they still love me. They still show up for me and I am in awe of that at times because I'm like my family can't do that. Mm -hmm. My family cannot love me when I am this messy and yet you people are showing up and showing me that. That is phenomenal. And also there's a lot that you have to work through in yourself to be okay with your family of origin rejecting you to such an extent that you don't feel welcome anymore Mm -hmm. and that's okay look I get and and I have to preface with the fact that my parents love me dearly the best way they know how they have their belief system and they love me that's not an either or it is a both and I'm sure deep down somewhere my sister loves me apparently she misses me But I will not have anyone in my life who supports domestic violence. And for me, their interactions with him is them supporting what he did to me and them denying what happened. And I I know there are other answers for that, but I will not have that in my life. Yeah. And I mean, you he was a narcissist, right?
0: So he has
1: manipulating. Oh yeah. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at some point, though, you have to make a stand. Yeah. You know, I'm going to stand beside my sister and trust that she is
1: going through something huge and I need to just hold space. <laughs> you <laughs> but, would hope. But other people don't make that choice. Other people choose to make other decisions. And and at the time, I have the door closed. I do not have it locked. And she knows how to work doors. So my idea, and and the whole point in this is not about me basically walking away from family and them, you know, kind of helping me walk. It is the fact that I am choosing me. I am choosing the highest expression of me. I am choosing myself. For years, I was told by different healers, they're like, how much do you need to put up with before you make a choice to choose yourself? Because every time my family would leave, I would be devastated. I would be picking up the pieces. I would be healing more and more and more wounds. And when it is not psychologically safe for you to be around someone, you need to make a decision. Do I dim my shine? Do I dim who I am? Do I stop being me and live to the expectations? Or do I shine my light anyway and deal with the fallout? And I chose to keep shining and deal with the fallout. And it's not an easy decision but it's the decision I needed to make for me. Other people will, as you say, stay in expectation and stay as the person that they are, you know, expected to be. I couldn't do that because I have a bigger mission here. I have a huge mission here. Mm -hmm. Right. And is
0: this part of what you talk about when you talk about radical self-love?
1: Yeah, because I'm not perfect. And this is the thing I think people expect, and this is why I use self-mastery, is my desire is to become a master of myself. Now to do that, I can't deny my shadows. I can't deny that shit still falls apart in my life. I can't deny that I go into grief stricken rages with God on the floor because I am in so much pain and I'm angry at Him for putting me there, even though I know that's not the truth, by the way. I've put myself there through my own choices. But self mastery is so much bigger. It is loving your light and your shadow. It is recognizing that we are human and in our humanity, we are messy as hell. I have unresourceful behaviors that come out. Of course I do because I'm human. Self-mastery is recognizing those unresourceful behaviors, working out what led to the unresourceful behavior. Working out, is that an unresourceful behaviour that keeps me safe? Is it one that actually was just unresourceful in that moment? Because let's face it, sometimes our unresourceful behaviours in a different situation will be resourceful. So it's about really going into this quantum discernment, this discernment on a different level of what serves me and what doesn't. And those things that still create a visceral reaction in my body are my things to heal. That visceral reaction, people call it a trigger or an activation, but those things that affect me physically, that feel like a knife in my gut, they are things that I need to deal with. They are things that I need to work with my healers on or implement my own tools with. Those things that hit that deeply are things that I need to heal. Now, there are other times, my mum's just come for a visit, we had a lovely time, but I tell you what, on the Sunday she crossed a few lines and she was at me all day about the household running and basically listing all the things that I was doing wrong as a human being. By the end of Sunday, I was up in bed sobbing my heart out because I was like, she's never going to see me, I'm not good enough, I don't matter. But by letting those sobs out, that was my inner child. She needed to let that out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't me as a grown-ass adult. That was my inner child. And I had to let her have the space to do that. And then I woke up the next morning and I was like, right, i got my grown-up pants on again now and I'm going to deal with this. But because I had shut her down on the Sunday night to say enough before I went and hid in my room and cried, She woke up the next morning and it was a different space because, again, I'd put that hardline boundary in enough. I'm not dealing with this anymore. I will run my household the way I see fit. And that kept my little girl safe. Yes, she still needed to cry, but she knew I was going to uphold those boundaries, those standards of behaviour that I expect around me where I do not get treated like a child in my own home where I do not get treated like I am not good enough in my own home because this is the home I've created with my lover and my children and his children and my puppy. It's my safe space. You don't get to come in and make me feel unsafe and not good enough in my own safe space. And again, it's recognising all of that. And I don't blame her for any of it, by the way. That again is self mastery. What can I do about it? What do I need to change? What is my part in this? How much more love do I need to give her so that she feels safe enough to be able to let go of that control? Because her way of, and I know because I was there. If I felt unsafe, if I felt scared, if I was letting trauma rule my life, I became a micromanager. I needed to control all of the things because that was my way of feeling safe. So I needed to also hold space for my mum who was feeling unsafe, who was feeling whatever she was feeling because I can't speak for her. I needed to go through that. That's my self-mastery. And radical self-love means I will put in the boundaries that I need to be able to keep myself mentally, emotionally, psychologically safe at all times. And my inner children don't need to create so many unresourceful behaviours these days because they know that adult me has got their back. I keep them safe. I parent them. I give them what they need.
0: Beautiful.
1: You know, she was. She came
0: in walking some old patterns, right? Which I love say, the triggers are the signposts and mm. and and recognizing it that it's just something you need to heal and move beyond because it is your inner child. It's exactly how you felt when you were six, right?
1: Oh. For most of my childhood, it was how I felt because there was the constant criticisms. And I mean, she even said to me this weekend, I don't know why you've got such low confidence. (laughs) or why you had such low self-confidence. And I'm going, oh, because you undermined it every day of my life. But you also bigged me up. So, again, there there was this constant pendulum swing of I'm good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm doing the right thing, I'm not doing the right thing. It was the constant extreme pendulum swing, which, let's face it, is not an unrealistic story for most females out there. We are either too much or not enough. And I had that messaging given to me all the time. Mm. this is perfect this is not this is perfect this is not and and that and when you say that's the part I need to heal that is actually a part I've healed which sounds interesting because then you think well she wouldn't be crying well you know what she still exists in me Mm -hmm. and that little girl needed to let her tears out because me as grown-up woman I was putting in the boundaries to say enough I was putting in the things that needed to keep me safe Now, at one point they were being ignored, that's fine, you know, but again, I was still putting them in there and I was still keeping my inner children looked after and safe even though they then needed to shed those tears. And the reason I know that that part is healed is because in reflection, as I've been feeling into it because I've had, you know, 10 days or whatever it's been, I've been feeling into those parts of me and there isn't that triggering or reactivity that used to be there. It is a neutralized state. So it was my child in that moment needed that. And that's the thing. We heal them, but in the moment our children will need different things. Those inner parts of us need different things.
0: Well, and it's letting go of some of that pain too, isn't it, rather Mm. than keeping it contained within ourselves so it's an important part
1: and because it wasn't the build-up of all the stuff that had happened in childhood because i'm like okay whatever it was about the stuff that was actually happening on that day in that moment it wasn't linked to the past it was just literally oh my god if anyone had a full day of criticism they'd be a blubbering mess at the end of the day as well Mm -hmm. and so again it was that it was it was a in the moment thing and i know that because i've done all these years of work i've done all these years of clearings and healings and You know, all the rest of it. And that's where I go to self-mastery in. Is I can tell the difference between old stuff and new stuff, or old stuff and current stuff, because let's face it, I cannot make her change. That is not her job. Her job is to keep activating me so that I can grow bigger. And I was looking at all of the stuff that went on, and I was able to see, huh? I have changed because I used to be a lot like that. When I was in my marriage and when I was being abused daily, I was tightly wound. I wanted to control all the little things because I had no control over my life. Again, that's a story. Let me just put the flag there because we have full control over our lives. And actually, I still remember this day, I was driving down the highway near home and I almost slammed on my brakes at one moment because I was like, holy crap, I had the choice to leave every single day, and I chose not to. I actually chose to stay, and I realized in that moment my free will choice. And I cannot blame anybody else for that. I'm fully responsible. And I think that's the other part, is becoming fully responsible for all the choices you make, and that's hard. Yeah, it is, but it's a huge part in healing. It is massive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. You know, I I sort of, I guess I think I thought when I was going into this healing journey that it would be, you know, some Band-Aids on and some, you know, being held and love and nurture. But it is a challenging path to walk. We are constantly being broken open. We are constantly going through this death and rebirth cycle as we're getting used to this new version of ourselves, as we're getting used to this new iteration of who we are, as we're getting used to these new tools that we're developing and using every day, we are dying to who we were before. We are integrating new tools. We are embodying new tools. And then we're dying to that part of ourselves. And we're starting again. And there are these constant daily mini deaths and rebirths and it it does sometimes feel relentless and exhausting, and yet I know that I have a choice every single day. I have a deliberate and divine choice about how I live my life. Beautiful. So we've, we've covered some of the self-mastery tools, mm-hmm. and just
0: recognizing the triggers is one of them, and recognizing that we have this dark and light within us and so much to mm-hmm. heal. But can you... Can you go through
1: some of the self-mastery tools that let me be summarize it. You know, we work on is understanding your body, understanding the physiological part of your body. Let's face it. We are souls here in a meat suit. If we don't understand this meat suit, we're not going to get too far with our healing. We need to under- we actually need to be embodied to be able to feel those triggers and activations and visceral responses that we are having. So we really need to understand the way that our brain works. We need to understand our physiological responses to fear, to the things that are going on around us. So that is one of the pillars that I work under. I work under our uh, subconscious programming. So looking at our belief systems, looking at (laughs) all of those uh, limiting beliefs and slave anchors and slave codes that keep us embedded in expectation and this matrix that we live in. So we're looking at all of those bits that we've been coded, you know, my mum coded me from a young age that it's a man's world. Well, what is going to make me deny my divine feminine more than me knowing that I have to, to be in this world, be a man? We look at our energy systems. So that vibration raising our energy, hygiene And the auras meridian chakra systems, we look at our, um, obviously, parts or inner child work. Some people like to call it parts because they (laughs) are, funnily enough, in denial of their inner children or they feel like they've done inner child work. But there's more than just one inner child. There are multiple versions of that child. There are multiple Ages. There are multiple instances, there are multiple traumas that that child has been through that we all need to heal. So when people say they run an inner child workshop and you heal your inner child, it kind of takes more than a workshop. And I think this is some of the other stuff that I let people know is this stuff actually takes time if we do it properly. There is no quick fix. There is no hack your nervous system in 15 minutes. You know, it takes a little bit longer (laughs) to sort this stuff out. Um, I also look at intuition, um, which also brings in our uh, aligned bravery because we're told that we need to move towards things that feel warm and expansive and light and move away from things that feel cold and contractive. But me leaving my marriage did not feel warm and expansive. Yet I knew it was the right choice. It was aligned bravery. I had to move through that process to make it out the other side. I think the feeling of calmness was the alignment, right? That you Oh, needed. I didn't even have calmness in that you, in that moment. Continue. I just knew I had to put one foot in front of the other and I had to make it out. There was none of that it was it was and that's what i talk about aligned bravery sometimes we don't have this clear yes no sometimes what we're moving towards is scary as hell i didn't know how i was going to support myself i didn't know what i was going to do i didn't know my financial position i didn't know my safety i didn't know if i was going to be alive at the end of it like i had all of these massive doubts running through my brain mm. and yet i still had to make the decision. That was a divine calling bigger than me and I just had to trust and there were plenty of, you know, screaming on the floor moments during that process but there was this aligned bravery and so we talk about that because it's not always, it's it's deeper than, you know, I guess warmth or cold, expansion or contraction that's great for smaller choices, that's great for really clear choices, but sometimes those choices we have to make are not that clear. So I do go a lot into intuition. Also then our divine connection, so looking at our spirituality, universal laws, you know, mirroring versus reflection. So again, you know, when my mum was here, I actually had the law of resonance working because I could look at some of her behaviours and go, oh my God, I used to be like that. How far have I come and how much have I healed and how wonderful is it that she is showing me? so many of these behaviours that I've now neutralised in myself and they come out, I know a few of them actually came out at the beginning of the year because I was feeling unsafe because I nearly lost my partner and I had no control and so there was that bit that came in which, again, was interesting to witness within myself. Um, And then we talk about some of the quantum ascension stuff, so our free will versus divine will, you know, the contrast that we we work within and looking at manifestation and multi-dimensional existence and how we can tap into those quantum realms and those quantum timelines that exist for us Um, as a separate thing i also look into the heroine's journey and abundance and money so it's all being formulated at the moment but there will eventually be a um A self-mastery facilitator certification, which will be teaching those modules in, I don't know how long at the moment, because there's a hell of a lot of chunky information. It may even be over the course of a year, but it will be me teaching the tools, me teaching the information that then people can go and implement in their own coaching practices. A lot of coaches don't do the energy work. A lot of coaches, you know, work more on mindset stuff. But realistically to heal we need to look at body spirit mind and emotions we need to look at all four aspects of ourselves and more actually because there's a multitude of aspects but in covering all of those it will give people a greater depth and breadth to their work when they're working with people You know, for people who are highly spiritual, it will give them a lot of that bodily intelligence that they need and a lot of that, I guess, the mindset and emotional stuff that, you know, let's face it, some of us in the spiritual world want to spiritually bypass some of that really tough stuff. Let's get back on our mat and meditate because we feel amazing when we do it. But let's not actually deal with the human stuff that is putting us there.
0: (laughs) I I sometimes crave the lifetime as a monk.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. It would be so much easier, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, Amanda, how incredibly illuminating. What a beautiful conversation. How do people find you and learn more of what you're doing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I am on most of the social media platforms. I'm, you know, out and about there. But if you go to my website, amandacate.com.au, all of my social links are there. There is a link that you can sign up to my newsletter, which means that you get all of this information coming through to you. And I've also got a podcast, Divine Messy Human, which is the same title as my first solo book. Thank you so much. I feel like we're on parallel paths and I feel like
0: many out there have moved more in the direction of
1: mastery just by joining us here today. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. And thank you for the light you're spreading into this world. It is so needed and we are so grateful for you.
0: If you've enjoyed the information in this episode, share it with someone you care about and know will benefit. There is one thing for certain, meltdowns are inevitable. Let's move into mastery together. In the show notes, you'll find my link tray, which has links to many of the most popular platforms. You'll also find links to connect to the featured guest webpage and social media. Thanks again for being committed to mastery. Change in this world really starts within each of us.